0: Bop it, twist it, pull it, rock it, Rue it,
1: (laughs) sun it,
2: (laughs) Karnelian it, no that doesn't work, (laughs) it's monosyllables, (laughs) rock it, alright,
1: yeah,
3: um, I'm getting used to not having to project so much anymore, bless you, she's being so quiet,
0: Mm. should you like introduce me
3: yeah welcome to another wonderful episode of radio free golgotha i am here as always with my benevolent co-host jesse hathaway diaz and we are and we are also joined by the wonderful mallory Vaudois. thank you for coming all this way to our house to (laughs) to where i also live Yeah, yeah 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 which is which is convenient right
0: very convenient. Yeah. Almost a little too convenient, mm-hmm. some might say. Some might. A Put a guest on the
2: show, they say.
0: <laughs>
2: Put some feelers out, they say. <laughs> it's not
3: nepotism, we said. <laughs> so this week we are bringing you a very special episode, uh, which is um, for the Feast of San Rocco, or Saint Rock, or Saint Roach, uh, as I have heard some people, I don't know, mispronounce, I guess. Um,
2: yeah, and it, it is our also as is, is our first full guest appearance mm-hmm. by by someone, and it is it was kind of presaged by the F- Night of F- Folk Necromancy, yeah, which is available on the website and through YouTube, uh, which you can hear uh, all three of us talking together like we actually are friends and get know each other well, um, which may or may not be the case. Um, <laughs> my fingers smell like garlic bread. I think it's ashes oil Okay, I'm sorry Anyway, so The Feast of St. Rock uh, August 16th, August 17th Depending on which part of Catholicism you're in mm-hmm. And uh, Italy, I'm sure, has 4,000 additional dates um, <laughs> But, uh, so the Feast of St. Rock And uh, plant-wise, we're talking about rue mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And stone, mineral-wise, we're talking about carnelian mm-hmm. Additionally, uh, the episode is brought to you by the sun, the card, not the well, I guess the planetary body, but the card, the tarot trump.
3: Right, the only arcana that actually like makes sense in terms of its astrological correspondence being the thing that's written on the card. Um, and also by the demon Frucissier. And I'm never
2: gonna be able to pronounce that ever. I mean I
3: just I just run at it, basically. It's okay. like Janine Garofalo. It's more about knowing when to stop saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Eshu uh, Eshu Dos Cemeterio mm-hmm. Dos Cemeterio and the by the geomantic figure of Fortuna Minor and its corresponding odu, Irosu. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and uh, talking a little bit about plague magic hopefully mm. uh, which is witches, yes <laughs> um, and uh, the Dead Magician is uh, an interesting extension of all this today uh, it's an experiment, but the four thieves mm-hmm. of the vinegar fame. Yep. Um, so uh, extension of this, you can sense a theme. Um, but uh, thank you so much for for trying out the many experiments today. And thank you, Mallory, for coming. So mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, thank you
2: for allowing me in your house again. <laughs> okay, so uh, tradition has it that we talk about the saint first.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So Saint Rock. Anybody want to take over the... The official, the official natures of what, what his
3: story is? Well, the line of most obvious kind of uh, correspondence between these things is plague. Mm-hmm. Right? And immediately we run mainly into what uh, St. Rock, as one of the first mentioned in the Golden Legend, uh, reve- uh, revealed as... Um, I can't remember the exact word they used. It's, it's a brilliant term, uh, but like getting rid of plague... And pestilence specifically, but one of the things that interests me is where plague and famine kind of interrelate with each other, uh, mm. or or swap back and forth uh, mm. depending on what's going on. So, I mean, San Rocco is an interesting one in terms of like his his origin story begins before he's born, mm. right? So his uh, his his very. Um, it's the word I'm looking for. A devout mother prays for a, a child, right? They're they're, they're childless and hears the voice of an angel, uh, who then announces that she will she will have a kid. And he's so devout that he fasts when she fasts as well, even when he's a baby, he only feeds once a day. And he's said to be uh, gladder and merrier and sweeter than the other kids. And I like that as a starting point as well. That not just mm-hmm. like this kind of um, what's the word they use for for like. Uh, particularly lady saints uh, who are like burning in a building or something but are like utterly blank about it uh the beatitude is that is that one is that the right word
2: maybe, maybe. i used to do it in this context
3: but... uh, no maybe not uh the the, the sense of like oh they're, they're they're enlightened and they're removed from the world and they're not like experiencing it whereas like he's actually not just like Oh, he didn't cry, and he was so calm, and had this aura of like ah, the divine. Like the
2: beatific mm-hmm. vision, the, the visage. Right, uh, right, right. Um, but
3: he's he's actually like happy, and certainly speaking from like personal experience of um, the last couple of years, going to the the San Rocco um, parade in uh, in New York. Uh, that's one of the the senses that like he he's uh, he seems. I mean, not to suggest that he's like you know some Father Christmas. Nothing but joviality, but there seems like a real sense of like celebration and gladness there.
0: Mm, yeah, and it, it's one of the, maybe actually the longest running, uh, continuously celebrated Italian American feast in the United States, the Festa di San Rocco, which is held every year uh, by the St. Rocco Society of Potenza in New York. And I see a lot more of the types of like old school devotions at that particular feast than i have seen at others in the same region Uh, you see a lot more people who are carrying either the massive um they look like cakes made out of candles but they're Mm -hmm. enormous they're like the size of our coffee table and carrying them is a type of almost penance um, and something that you would undertake the same way that you would undertake, you know, any other type of corporal mortification in order to uh, express your devotion through your body and through something which is painful and kind of stretches the limits of what you are comfortable sensing. You see also people with the large wax replicas of often legs, because as we'll talk about later, San Rocco does have a wound on his leg. It's one of the things that is often seen in his heraldry. And you even see a couple of people who will do the, the procession barefoot, which as anybody who has ever been to New York knows is, uh, you know, you're really taking your own life in your hands. <laughs> if you walk around barefoot in Manhattan, um, that is a, a, you know, a little bit of a bridge too far for me right now, devotion-wise. Maybe if I ever learned how to levitate, I would be willing <laughs> to do that. Um, but, you know, these are really old-school devotions that you don't see as often either uh, in the U.S. or back in Italy anymore. And I think it's really beautiful to see it there. And I think it's in part because San Rocco is such a in my experience at least, very approachable saint and a saint that people really fall in love with when they're engaging with him. Um, and I think he, he kind of, in particular because he is associated so much with protection from disease and consequently uh, with healing, he tends to inspire that particular type of faith that can really only happen when you're faced with your own mortality or a loved one's mortality and then you get into the bonus round, right? Like, you you thought you (laughs) were going to die and then you didn't.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, kind of has a reputation of being the friendlier version of Lazarus. Hmm. Um, as far as beggar saint who's, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's he's not a beggar by, by birth. He was rich. He's the son of a governor. Yeah. Of, uh, I don't know how Italians pronounce French words, but I'm... You know, Montpelier, Montpelier. <laughs> they don't. Um, but, but near the French border, and on his... He was 20 years old when his parents died, and his father gave him the kingdom, said, you're now the governor. And he basically did what Francis did. He took off all his clothes and marched into the wilderness, gave up his possessions, and became uh, uh, an ascetic. He also had a birthmark on his chest, which was... Uh, the shape of a cross, which is comes up a lot in the lore, and there's a lot of fake relics uh, that you see of painted pigskin and things like that to mm-hmm. be like this is the birthmark, it's like you rip the skin off the saint, mm-hmm. and that's what we raise high the banner. But um, yeah.
3: it's a, it's actually meant to increase in size as well. I think yes. like the Golden Legend mentions as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just as he grows, as he becomes more pious yeah. as well, as he goes around healing more people and um, yeah, exorcising plague and pestilence. Uh, Which is interesting because
2: it's um, there's a lot of older lore in Spanish culture about rock, but it roque, but it changes. I think by the time you get to the states, it is a far like he's a far less popular saint now amongst Hispanic Catholics hmm. than he used to be. Um, certainly, the there's I grew up going to uh, the church in Saint Barbara that's dedicated to him. Uh, Santa Barbara I just it's the English Spanish hybrid. there sorry uh, Santa Barbara uh, Santa Barbara there we go that's the LA term. Um, <laughs> it just can't combine languages it's difficult. Um, but also uh, New Orleans, the, the cemetery and the church that are there are very well loved mm. and uh, a very potent worked cemetery yeah. in a town that belongs to the dead already <laughs> and is saturated with an air of disease by the moisture and the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, is is such a thing, and 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 just his feast day being in the Dog Days of August, mm-hmm. of being so oppressive, and literally oh, Dog Days. Oh, and he's a dog
0: saint. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like those are related. It's almost
2: like serious in the, the whole serious con, you know, mm-hmm. conspiracy. You know, okay. Um,
3: and why is he a dog saint? What's the what's the role of the dog? It's to bring him food. Okay,
0: okay. so he he sets <laughs> off as an ascetic. Yeah. yeah. When when last we left our hero,
1: we'll he
0: left. Montpellier and was heading south towards Rome and on his way he encountered uh, several Italian commune that were or, or villages that were beset by plague as uh, Italy frequently was at the time and he... as
2: because your people deserve to be punished.
0: That's, that's really inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, we well. You know, we'll get to this when we talk about plague magic. But plague is a spiritual force. It is a yes. teacher. It it leaves a mark, um, and so he begins to care for the sick. And this is obviously a very radical act, right? Because when a plague, when there's breakout of a plague, the the response, the natural response, is to kind of ostracize anybody who has been infected, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like zombie movie style, to get as far away from them as possible and to cease caring for them, even though they can no longer care for themselves. And San Rocco was particularly attracted to that type of uh, charitable endeavor, caring for the people that nobody else would care for. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually, perhaps inevitably, that meant that he contracted the plague himself. And at that point, he himself was actually ostracized from the community that he had been caring for. And so he went out into the wilderness to live in isolation and then presumably to die in isolation. But uh, it's said that he built a hut for himself and a spring miraculously appeared mm-hmm. next to the hut so he had fresh water. And then this dog also showed up and started bringing him bread I think Um, so he had fresh water and he had food uh, and the dog was also said to uh, trigger warning to anybody who's not into really gross stuff um, to lick his plague sores clean and that that action of eating the pus or or whatever it is that comes out of plague sores um, was what healed him. Uh, and you, you find this with other saints as well, um, like uh, Saint Marie Alacoque, who was uh, a French nun, I think, who is kind of responsible for propagating devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That was one of the forms of penitence that she would take upon herself when she was caring for the sick. She'd actually eat their um, effluvia. I don't know. Anything that came out of them, she'd eat it. Mm. Um, so She's a sin eater. A sin eater, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that's where the dog kind of comes into it.
3: Which I find interesting. Again, he's... uh, He fasts as a kid, and he fasts when he's like a teenager, and the dog brings him food, and there is this exchange that we hinted at earlier between mainly known in the law for warding plague but turning up in specific instances of of his celebration uh, that you've come across right love Uh, where there's some interchange with him being appealed to in times of famine as well
0: oh yeah i mean i i think in southern italy in particular all saints need to be able to do plague and they need to be able to do famine that's kind of like the basic job requirements Mm -hmm. Um, and so in my one of my, my, my maternal grandfather's hometown, uh, the feast of San Rocco is more associated with harvest imagery and uh, consequently with kind of like the fertility of the fields and ensuring a good harvest than he is with plague. And I think that these are actually rather natural corollaries to one another because when you think about it, one of the sources of famine is uh, blight on the crops, so like a disease that affects the crops.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Uh, And the flip side of that is if you live in an agricultural community that suffers from plague, you run the risk of incurring a labor shortage. And so when it comes time to tend the fields or to... Uh, harvest, what has been growing, if you don't have enough people, if you don't have enough labor, there's the risk that you, even those who have survived whatever the disease was once it has passed, will die of starvation because mm. you don't have the option of delaying agriculture. It needs to happen according to its own rhythm and you you can't afford to be late. You don't get to push that deadline back. Right. I think it's also
2: helpful to look at the the, the cosmology or cosmovision that, that encapsulates what these are. They are both names for a similar impulse, which is uh on a polite way a teaching moment from God to be like, your community needs to band together, you need to do these things. And and, and rock is often viewed as a saint that is that of like, you know, your illness can to it was romanticized his illness that he uh suffered an illness in order to be closer or to, to uh, have greater sympathy with the wound, the, the, the suffering of Christ mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that it's a fine line between saying like you're sick and you deserve it because you're, God is punishing you mm-hmm. versus spinning that around and having it be like I can get this is this is a teaching moment for me what can I do how can I turn this moment of depletion and attack on me into something that nourishes me into something that nourishes my spirit yeah and ultimately I come out the other side because the the, the the strange thing with St. Brock. In addition, yes, he overcame the plague and he gets this patronage from this guy who or he becomes his acolyte and he returns back to his hometown and is promptly thrown in prison mm. Mm. where he withers away for five years and then dies. Mm. And only upon his deathbed do they realize that's the guy with the giant cross on his chest and oh my God, he's the governor of our town yeah. and uh, let's make him a saint right now. Um, so it wasn't there is a little bit of that kind of hopefulness that that comes in with saints many times of like never losing hope, which Mm -hmm. is important. And there's an anchoring in there. But I find the debate around the plague saints themselves and, and Rocco being such a plague saint of his birth and death in actuality, probably being close to 50 to 100 years after when we say he was. But so he actually died right around the start of the great plague coming in. Um, as opposed to a hundred years before, but it, it, it's mm-hmm. interesting how it's like, is it because of the the communal worship and the, him being named a saint by mm-hmm. the people um, and then later uh, celebrated through the church as well? I don't know. It's uh, His story is kind of hard for me in that way, of like doing all these things, doing good work, and then it's not the happy ending. It's not the Disney version of Christianity mm-hmm. that is, you know, sold in CCD sometimes of like, just get through it, and God will reward you. Like, okay, mm.
1: he's
2: he's a happy saint, mm. but man, it's a it was it, a hard end of his life.
0: It's kind of the opposite of the prosperity gospel when you think about it, because he <laughs> starts out rich. He's the son of a governor. He has a lot of temporal power, and instead, he chooses uh, plague and death, yep. and and fasting along the way, and all of these, you know, kind of mortifications. Um, But I I think it's interesting what you just brought up, Jesse, about the fact that he lived in, I think, the 14th century, and he wasn't officially canonized until the 17th century. And at the same time, he was canonized because he was so popular. So he, even though now he is about as official and vouched for as any saint in the Catholic canon he really did start with this groundswell of grassroots support Mm -hmm. and that was maintained for several maintained for several hundred years without any kind of uh official recognition yeah
2: folk saint first and merging into something larger because they could verify the historicity of it i also find the argument that he is an inheritor of a previous saint rock that was in the ninth century who was also invoked for plague and hmm. famine. Hmm. And so because of name, a different feast day, there's some that believe that um, St. Roch of Montpelier, Mont- Montpelier, oh, foreign words, um, which was often in Montpelier c- celebrated in January, his feast day, and that August became, was always associated with this other St. Roch and the two became merged, as often happens in popular Catholicism, yeah. of two things with the same name, You can argue that there's two St. Lazaruses, but you tell any practicing Catholic that in the last 400 years, they're like, why? You can argue that Mary Magdalene is not the sister of Lazarus and Martha, but there's churches dedicated to them as a family. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this thing of uh, the little kid shaking their finger of like, but that's not the case. You're like, well, divine revelation, and Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be working just fine. Mm -hmm. So fuck off.
0: And now he's accompanied by another folk saint. Yes. Which is St. Gimifor. Dog saint. The literal dog saint. It's a, it's, this is the name of the dog that he is commonly depicted with, who uh, was bringing him food so that he could survive when he was uh, suffering from his illness and sequestered in, in the wilderness. Uh, and St. Gineford, how about that?
2: Uh, it's it's <laughs> remarkable because there, there seems to be a, sh- a shortage of animal saints. Um, there is some the only parallel that I know of uh, right off the top of my head is the, the lion that uh, came and helped bury Saint Mary of Egypt mm-hmm. in some traditions is considered a saint hmm. um, because she had fed the lion communion and therefore he was awakened to true lion nature um, and eschewed the flesh after that he's a vegetarian lion um, but Saint Guinefort is uh, in some stories but not necessarily in the areas that revere him as a saint by himself um, uh, sometimes said to be a greyhound But um, that he was able He somehow Was a priest dog that was like Next to the priest during the laying on of hands There's all these lovely heretical Oh things. like a master splinter style so thing So the, the dog what? is able to Convert bread into the host Which is why it was this mm-hmm. Extra side benefit To Saint Rock because he was able to receive communion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And therefore the dog In stealing bread for him His holiness Mm-hmm. um his 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 cananity um makes it spiritually nourishing as well mm-hmm. wow um and in addition to the 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 sheer overlap with St Lazarus imagery of dogs and plague and beggar mendicant um bad legs uh, well bad legs but like St Rock as we said earlier and as i've said many times that man has some beautiful legs in his in his Imagery and it borders on idolatry at that point. <laughs> but um, some beautiful, well, even the tradition of ex voto, right, and having, as you said, the the, the raising of the leg, um, just totally like Game of Thrones banners there. Um, but uh, to have wax or metal or wood or even drawings of the body parts that are healed, which it also mm. overlaps into uh, Saint Heraldry itself. Mm. That if you do have a leg injury, and even if it's not plague related. San Roque becomes a possibility because of the association with his leg yeah um, similar to stigmatics can be used for your hands whether or not you're actually suffering from the wounds of Christ you
3: know on your day off so it's an interesting parallel as well with uh, Saint Peregrine in terms of and I mean obviously the, the iconography of like another who is not a falcon right not yet. <laughs> Give it a hundred years. Start soaring off Not with that attitude. Not with uh, that attitude. He is also showing off a leg wound. And this idea of saints associated with plague also having this element of travel to them, this kind of itinerancy, if we like, or... You know, a peripatetic nature of like going from place to place, being the stranger that turns up in town and and, and fixes things in some way, mm. and then you know rides off into the sunset. And the nature of contagion being one of like uh, spreading, and of uh, affecting things next to things. Mm.
0: And it, it's also interesting to look at which saints are allowed to show physical deformity. Hmm. Um, I was thinking about this today because hmm. I, I went to the parish that's near my office uh, to say hello to the statue of San Rocco that they have there and um, to just kind of pray for his inspiration for this podcast. Um, but It's
2: pronounced podcast.
0: Poodcast, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in Basque? Yes, uh, just, you know,
2: in, in, in Bronx English, that's
0: yeah. how we say it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in, one of the things that really struck me was that there's... A lot of saints there there's uh santa lucia saint lucy there's saint bartholomew and these saints are depicted with either you know heraldic recognition of injuries that they suffered in life um so saint, saint lucy is holding the eyes that you know she's said to have been plucked out of her out of her head But she's still got him. But she's still got him. And, you know, she she doesn't have these gaping, bloody holes in her face. She has her lovely, beautiful eyes and then also eyes on a plate. And likewise, St. Bartholomew, who's said to have been flayed alive, he is carrying his skin, but he's not, you know, a body's exhibit
1: Mm. in the church. Mm -hmm. He
0: appears uh, completely whole and and, uh, in no way injured. Um, And I, I think that there's probably other examples of this as well. Um, But then San Rocco is permitted, I guess, in a way, to reflect mortality and reflect the fact that even the saints, uh, having lived exemplary lives before God, were mortal, fallible, and even though they're kicking around now, they did die one day. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I I think that that is uh, its own kind of profound mystery.
2: There's... There is a really famous statue of St. Bart in muscular form holding his own skin. It's a a stone carving. Oh, that
0: must scare so many children going (laughs) to church. When I
2: saw it, I was just like, oh, God, that's so gorgeous. Because it's also interesting because of of his relationship to uh, serpent cults around Mm -hmm. wherever there's a serpent deity. It's like St. Bart finds his way in because he's holding his own skin. Mm -hmm. And St. Lucy, you do see... um, Small girl dolls with a crown of thorns, dressed in first communion mm. uh, outfits with the bloody eye sockets. The dolls that are sold in Mexico City as Lucias, uh, mm. Lucias that that uh, are to bring vision for the future person, especially if they're going through these things. So oh, there is the depiction, but in the church itself, that the the beatific vision, that it's the saint in heaven. Remi- mm-hmm. They're showing you who they are through their heraldry, but it could be anything. You yeah. know it's just a way of like a marking it, and and Saint Rock also. Where the the instrument of their death is so small in a saint's actual life, but they often get known for it, Where saint Rock was so inextricably linked to plague, yeah, and it wasn't the thing that killed him necessarily, it was starving away in a prison in his own hometown and and have being too modest and yeah. humble to say like by the way, i'm home <laughs> um and and what that is and, and the it reminds me of the because the there is a syncretism with Saint Rock in uh, Cuban Orisha, in, in Lucumí of with Oke, um, who's the Divine Mountain who lives with Obatala, mm. and I, I always think that this is partially a joke because Saint Rock is Oke is also the largest rock that you res- is in your in the collection, let's say, um, and Oke is the the mountain where Obatala first stepped down, and uh, it means mountain or hill in any large uh, any large stone, but Obatala was also uh, a, a figure since Oke is so linked to Obatala that Obatala was thrown in his own son's dungeon uh, mm-hmm. when traveling and uh, part of it from just not listening to advice of like you have to change into white cloth constantly so that people will recognize you because Eshu is going to come and throw palm oil on you which he didn't predict at the time but he only had a certain number of changes costume changes to mm-hmm. make sure that people knew that the king of the white cloth was still in white and so Shang'o's kingdom goes to plague and famine Mm-hmm. and uh, they ask why and it's because there's somebody in your dungeon and goes down there and realizes his own, his own father is there mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting thing again dealing with plague and famine and being thrown in jail and what that is and the notion of when you are sick and when you are ter- not a, 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 terminally sick is not the right uh, uh, continually sick when you're living with a mm-hmm. disease the idea of the body becoming its own prison mm-hmm. that you are behind the bars of your own body it's your body has betrayed you you feel you feel betrayed and the question of why me what is this um, I would imagine has to arise and it seems to be part of the, the natural processing of any diagnosis that is that long lasting mm-hmm. um, and playing in that time period which is there's no cure you're, you're going to die it is still a very difficult disease um, it was something that uh, was talked about at the last VGS I'll footnote him He's a, his article is amazing um, but talking about it, it's still a scary disease and mm-hmm. just because it's mostly gone does not mean that it's its relevance is is erased but also the transference of plague in modern cultic practice heavily to HIV is mm-hmm. a huge thing the plague saints are now HIV saints and because plague has been mostly erased it is now a, a diversion and the concept of a plague saint as a category as to what is just kind of goes into plague magic in that way but that there were people that commissioned paintings and tapestries of a plague saint who was often a patron saint of the town or a new saint like let's take a chance and commissioned that saint with all of the family painted in the portrait mm. interceding between God mm. and so that the so that the saint in some ways becomes uh, the scapegoat in the sense of like let's let's they will take our suffering on for us because they can handle it because they're saints which also brought in in many areas, like I know Spain, France, and I believe northern Italy for sure. Um, I don't know southern Italy because I'm not going to pretend to know southern Italy at all with you in the room or I'll be upset and scared. Um, But the idea that a plague saint also could have been quote-unquote demons coming in and receiving the worship of a town to try and pretend that they, it will save them from the plague. Mm. So you have plague saints and you have plague devils traditions arising, mm. which is very interesting. So, of like
3: so I, they're <laughs> running a kind of protection racket.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and, you know, it's the, the St. Rosalia side of it of, like, you know, go find my bones in the, fo- in the, in the cave and and you will be okay and, and Palermo will be safe. And it's like, well, I found these goat bones. And you're like, exactly doesn't matter that goats are a satanic animal. It's okay.
0: And they were right where I told you they but, would be. Exactly. And that is the, that's the moral of the story. Yes. Listen to me.
2: Listen to Rosalia. Exactly. Which is apparently how you pronounce it. Yes. So the Spaniard in me is like, Rosalia is going to be so much easier. Okay. Um, anything else you want to say on St. Roch, or let things come up as they will? Because I feel like Plague Magic is an easy segue. Segway, out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we just started it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Plague Saints, Plague Devils, and... So Plague Magic, as a type of magic. Um, are we wishing people the plague? Are we preventing the plague?
0: Depends on the day, really. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> and the people. That's true.
2: Define people, define plague, define magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, it becomes a stand-in or a metonym, if we like, for contagion in general right which itself is a way of approaching a certain methodology of magic or a certain mechanism by which it is thought to work for a start so plague itself is uh, demonstrative of a whole bunch of other things and so is both a very broad category and also incredibly specific but in general you know most things that I think would be first springing to mind if we're looking at plague magic, are how to ward it off in various ways, mm-hmm. and most of those, if we're going to look for a, an obvious through line, are about replacing miasmas and bad airs with good.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, Cardinal Woolsey in the 16th and uh, 17th centuries is known for carrying a uh, orange, I believe, um, and that this is a testament to um his ability to ward off uh, plague he would carry an orange uh, quote deprived of its contents and filled with a sponge which had been soaked in vinegar impregnated with various spices in order to preserve himself from infection when passing through the crowds which his splendor or office attracted mm. right so this notion of having to protect the the senior cardinal or, or important person from from the oi poloi Right, So we have this, this layer of, uh, of, of protecting the, the sacred person. And it makes me think of the incorruptibility of saints in general as well, actually, mm-hmm. and the idea of sweet odours overcoming uh, bad ones, mm-hmm. and that this itself is part of that whole uh, morphology of odour, uh, which I know you know, is not the be-all and end-all of a, of a good magical oil,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but that something that smells bad isn't just unpleasant because it smells bad it it is it is narrating itself in that doctrine of signature in that morphology of scent it is telling you that there's something bad about it
2: i would argue no (laughs) i would argue that good smell means good Mm -hmm. but bad smell is the average everyday occurrence for thousands of years Mm. unbathed people that never bathe Mm. meat cannot be kept except to be open air and hung and salted and dried Rot happens, bodies are not taken care of unless they are paid for to be taken care of. Mm. So bad smells are part of everyday life, which the devil owns the earth until Jesus is... I mean, death owns the earth until Jesus is coming the second time. Right. But death and disease sharing that, in the sense that bad can mean... But bad is every day. Hmm. Especially during the plague. With mm-hmm. boobos that actually open up and reek. Mm-hmm. Um, say your name. Reek. Um, but... Not, not to totally agree. I just I think that the, the good smells are good that the the bad smells could be
3: well bad avid. smells are also used to ward things off as well, the, well. yes but, I, I, uh, well, not sulfur even...
2: is a strong smell but is also awful, awful, yes is also used not only to ward but also to invoke bad things mm-hmm. yes yeah. so yeah. which brings up an interesting point with plague things because it was we were talking about it Talking about with Jeremy Bicelli, uh over when was the last VGS. Mm-hmm. So um, he is a specialist in contagious disease yeah. and a, a magician and, and wonderful to talk to. Uh, was showing many pomander balls that uh, mm. also have the kind of fake orange slices that opened up. So mm-hmm. they're beautiful things of like labeled in German oftentimes of each spice that went in it. Mm-hmm. And so you could decide which one you, but you would fill those up and then together there would be this wonderful thing to carry with you as well as full on. Uh, oranges studded with different uh, things there, um, but the the modern interpretation of things is often that the one that gives it can also take it away. But I think that we can argue for a different cosmology, which is that there's a magnetism to contagion. If you look at uh, plague deities, India, Africa, if you look at babaluaye uh, Chopona, of of he is contagion. And he's the deified contagion. So he's not disease itself, but he is. Mm. And if he passes by once, and we're sloppy with our um, etiquette, with our uh, physic, with our house, with with all these things, disease can take root. If he passes by again when we're diseased, he could also, the magnetism of it goes back to him. So it's less about reward and punishment, Mm -hmm. and more about understanding the principles of these energies that are around which is interesting and, and why why does one village get passed by completely mm. and another village decimated and we know that one to two-thirds of everybody just gone is is pretty impressive there's three of us now one or two of us is dead in black plague years mm-hmm. uh on average and i think that's interesting too the idea of it not being reward or punishment especially with the st rocco spin mm. of like how does this how is this like what can i take from this lesson of sickness
3: well, the, that's a, it's a great point in terms of, you know, do we mean warding off or do we mean sending? Yes. <laughs> the best example I can give of an anti-plague medallion is the Paracelson Xenexton, which is full of horrible, plaguey things. It's full of things that are considered uh, hateful and that hate humans, like dried toad. Uh, we come back to how hateful toads are again. Sorry, toad lovers. Uh, along with, and this will hopefully come up later with Carnelian uh, and a couple other things, menstrual blood, the worst substance in the world, yeah. according to patriarchy. And it's full of these things, and it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a hollow medallion, so it's stamped like a, an astrological sigil would be at particular times, full of this paste made of all these horrible things. And it's a magnet for... Um, for bad stuff, but it's a magnet that you carry around with you, mm-hmm. so it's not hung somewhere. And we hope that we transfer the plague over there and then don't go there. We actively carry it around, which you know I'm sure we've talked about this with the the Nazar as well. If I'm saying that anyway, right? The the blue and white and dark blue or black uh, evil eye charm, mm-hmm. right? Or ward. The mm-hmm. fact that it's actually eye shaped because it's absorbing the evil eye. It's taking that, you know. It's 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 it's. it's um, Kevin Costnering in front of the bullet for you, right? It um, was <laughs> Costner in, in the bodyguard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's your astral bodyguard, and, and and so that's why you know some folks say that they should be periodically washed and, and soaked, not because they run out of power, but because they they're uh, it's a it's it's flypaper. It's mm-hmm. attracting that stuff, and that's um, definitely the case with the with the Zenex stone. It's powerful because it it has a sympathy. Mm-hmm. The no
2: belief in the onion. The you see a lot, it still goes around in memes, but that if you cut an onion and leave it open to the air, that it will be covered in flu and cold viruses the next day, that it absorbs disease. Mm. Which, think about the fiery, watery nature of an onion. It's it's malodorous smell, but still not terrible. Mm. And, uh, interestingly, in in Orisha in worship of using a red onion in black beans uh, to represent the, the family of Wabudwai and the plague, the, mm. the disease deities that are the the earth deities in that way, hmm. which is also plague is punishment in some way of the earth, and which can relate it to famine. That like uh, one of the the hallmarks of Babalawaya being his name meaning Father of the World. That when he is upset, that he pushes the grains of the earth through your skin. That that is why popcorn is sacred to him is because it looks like smallpox. It's being it's the it's beans and things being pushed through your skin to show a connection to him, mm. which automatically connects plague and famine.
0: famine. Is that the root of tripodophobia? I think people are afraid of like circles too close together because Maybe. they're afraid of the things that are going to come out of them.
2: Yeah, it's certainly the, the lotus pods and the surinam toads. Yeah. Do they hate us as much? They might. What devils Probably. are in their skin?
3: Yeah. yeah. Certainly the idea of what is the idea of... Uh, uh, bumps moving around under the skin. Uh, 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 well, uh, in, in terms of possession, uh-huh. so not just like what you void, you know, vomiting pins and stuff, but the the European history of demonic possession is very much about often likening it to uh, rats uh, running up and down uh, mm-hmm. behind curtains, and this idea of what is unknown in the body coming out mm. or, or, or showing itself but still there, you know, as a mm-hmm. distinction from opening up in something like being expressed out which is of course also where we get um, not just the evil eye but all notion of the contagious nature of passions themselves mm-hmm. that they are expressed an expression you know it's not just the eyes being the window of the soul mm-hmm. it's the 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 image of uh, the face of anger is like um, like the principle of correspondence or the principle of names or whatever you want to call it it, it the image of that thing it has the power of that thing and is thus Thus transmitted as well or um, if you want to put it in a different way from expansion it's it's multiplying itself it's a virus that uh, attaches in and converts those cells to to producing itself
2: magic principle wise then i want to know if the things that you can carry around in your body that are collecting disease or the the evil eye charms can i have it collected in my house collecting things for a very long time and then wash those off onto somebody else mm-hmm. like what's the possibility of of that because um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is certainly a principle in in, in uh, transference cleansings. Mm-hmm. You, you don't touch the thing that was cleansed off the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In in times where uh, animals are used, you don't eat the animal that was clean that was used for a cleansing. You can give it to people you don't know, but certainly no one in your family should be eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what those are, or uh, plants are often broken after they're passed over the body in sweepings in. Latin American uh, healing traditions of, like, this is not to be used by anybody else. Again, let me show you. Like, we're breaking not only the tie to the person and the contagion, but the disease. The idea that if you clean off with foods to avoid different illnesses, that you shouldn't eat that food for a day or so to, to not bring that thing back to you.
0: Yeah, or to throw it at something that can take it. Throw the egg at the tree or drop whatever you used into running water mm-hmm. to, to give it back to something that has the capacity to remove the illness and, and hopefully neutralize it mm-hmm. if it's strong enough
3: take it
2: back to its rightful owner mm. of the days and disease <laughs> the, the wild woods and what those
3: mm,
0: are yeah
3: the huh? egg is especially interesting because it requires breaking it to tests that it's to, to read it right mm-hmm. it's not just a transference it's also a diagnostic right
2: it can be it can be some eggs you don't want to break mm. like like Yes, with you you, some of them, if you're going to do a general diagnosis, you might do several egg cleans, but the first one, yes, you have to break that. But the last ones, you throw those into the toilet and flush them as quickly as you can. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to look at them. You don't want to see the devil that's contained in them. Mm. You just brush the person off and and use, perhaps, one of our our other guest stars of Rue to to the bitterness of fully expurging Mm. all those things out. Um, So, yeah, it can. But diagnosis I would diagnosis is different from full off cleansing. Like I do, you don't always rip the chicken apart to read its liver after you've mm-hmm. cleaned somebody with it. Mm. Sometimes just let that which by account and, and having seen them done in various traditions, organs often liquefy when someone is really, really sick and is clean with the animal, which is you know hugely disturbing um mm. to see.
3: Uh, Rue is a uh, interesting in terms of it being an irritant, right? It causes uh, can cause skin rashes and things like that, right? And so is there a sense there, do you think, of it having the the power to do that thing and thus affect other things that...
2: Um Maybe, I mean, what is it? It's like one out of three to two out of three, depending on the area, have contact dermatitis issue with rue. So yeah, it mm-hmm. causes raised welts and things like this. There's some a belief by many that it's actually a substitute for Syrian rue, which it looks like, mm-hmm. um, and that it was a... Of east moving west thing that there was a, a native ruta that that looked like this in that way but I think uh, in the substitute way it seems to substitute very happily for many other plants and I'm, I know you have tons of more of, of this so I'm going to let you
0: uh, Yeah, thanks for Raising the expectations really high. I said I it was good lore. I just said <laughs> you okay. had tons of lore.
2: Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Abundance can be disease as well.
0: Indeed. That was the, Indeed. Ca-
2: that was the Capa draconis thing, right? The yes to everything is not always necessarily good. Right. But no. Uh, no. We, I've heard you talk wonderful things about uh, Rue. So just take it away so I don't have to keep talking.
0: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks that
2: Jesse. That was a great segue.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start with the name, right? Because the herb rue is not etymologically related to the English language word rue, as in the verb meaning to regret. or um, the day. Or, yeah, to rue the day, uh, to rue one's actions. Hmm. Um, the, that, the, the verb comes from a Germanic root meaning, to I think, to feel contrite. Um, But the word rue, as in the herb, uh, comes from Greek via Latin, um, and I don't speak Greek, but uh, the way that it is spelled here, it looks like Rio, um, which uh, Maud Greaves, at least, has as to set free. Um, which I think is really beautiful and really ties into what we were just talking about in terms of setting the illness free back in the, you know, the hall of its master, Mm -hmm. um, back into the wilderness, back away from...
2: Wishing the demon back into its proper oasis. Exactly. Go about your business somewhere else.
0: Exactly. You you (laughs) trap the bug and then you let it go outside rather than trying to kill it. Mm -hmm. Um... So, so that's...
2: <laughs> you don't want its family coming back to get you. Exactly, yeah. Mm.
0: Exactly. Or you don't want it to be carrying eggs. Um, I, I wish I didn't even make that comment, because it's already filling my mind with these, like, visions. Smash the cockroach. Please. Yeah, exactly. Thank, you, thank save the, you.
2: Save the cockroach, save the world.
0: I am never coming back on this show.
1: <laughs> Not voluntarily. Um,
0: so, but we... we it has a, a very, uh, a, lo- a lot of a reputation as being a very strong protective herb uh, and an herb which is used uh, specifically against disease, which is part of the reason why we were interested in uh, talking about it on this show. Um, and so I've heard it said uh, that it can be employed in disease- against diseases of cattle. Um, and also this was really interesting to me given the story that we just went through of, of San Rocco but that um, there was a, you know a time when judges uh, you know in in court would take sprigs of rue and place them uh, beneath the bench where they were sitting because uh, prisoners in jail uh, were particularly likely um, to be carrying infectious diseases you know jails not being very sanitary conditions you have people who are kind of crammed in and not being um, you know, taken care of properly and mm-hmm. uh, you know who knows why they turned to that life of crime anyway. Chances are they, their life wasn't that great to begin with. Um, and so Rue was specifically used by judges to ward off um, the, the types of diseases that were carried by prisoners when they were brought into court. Mm-hmm. It's also one of the ingredients in the famed Four Thieves Vinegar that we'll talk about uh, later in the show. Um, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite references to rue is in a Neapolitan charm called the Cimaruta, which uh, comes from Cimadiruta, meaning a sprig of rue. Um, and I, for the longest time, I wasn't sure whether this was a legit thing or not because I was seeing it come up more often in English language sources uh, than I had ever seen it referenced in. Uh, Italian language sources and I even asked my Neapolitan teacher Anna Scornemilio who's uh, you know very steeped in the the customs of Naples and the folk culture of Naples about it and she had never heard of it (laughs) Um, but recently I found a couple of interesting references to it um, in a a book such as The Evil Eye by Frederick Thomas Elworthy which was printed in 1895 Um, and uh, I've also seen several examples both in uh in the historical texts and also a couple of um collectors on facebook showing off their chimoruta collections hmm. um and and primarily vintage and antique chimarutas which now has led me to believe that this might have been a much more common and popular charm in naples in uh maybe the 19th century which would explain why it is found so often in italian american folklore and less often um, in the in the home country is because that was when the you know some of the strongest waves of immigration were happening um, but the Chimoruta charm is uh, it is silver usually and uh, there's some hypotheses that it may be uh, consequently lunar or associated uh, with the triple goddess because usually it's a sprig of rue that has three main branches um, so there could be some kind of connection to, Uh, The idea of uh, Hecate or other triple goddesses, you know, powerful in both heaven, earth, and hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And given, I I think in the PGM, uh, the titles of Selene in heaven and uh, Artemis or Diana on earth and then Persephone in hell. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's some triple goddess vibes. And in addition to the shape of the rube sprig itself, it often has... Uh, other charms that are almost growing out of it. Um, So often a key, very often a key which again is kind of a a Hecatean symbol um, and a heart uh, a moon I think the crescent moon is probably the most popular after the key and so again the lunar symbolism Hmm. Um, but I'm super interested right now in actually trying to make one of these with fresh rue um, and to you know bind a sprig of rue with like uh, you know, a skeleton key and maybe like a, a little crescent moon. Um, so maybe if some of your listeners want to try that too and report back, I'd, I'd love to hear how it works.
1: Yeah. Um
0: but they're really, really beautiful.
1: Mm.
2: I think um the charms themselves is the use of wearing roux. Okay, we're talking judges and, and this figure roux as a charm. Um the in Brazil the Maida Santo they wear them behind the ears. So it's very common to wear rue in that way. It's one of the most common things we'll see. So if someone sees a plant behind the ear, it's most likely going to be rue. Um, uh, Herb of grace. Um, Over the grass. So the... uh, In addition to warding off evil eye and protecting the things that you're hearing, Hmm. the right influences, and the differences between wearing it on the right versus the left, um, as well as the beliefs that those of us in, in grew up around local of, of you do not take rue into people's houses because if they are a Polero, that there were things that, that was a no-no in some lines, some leaders wow. of Apollo. It gets rid of the, the dead. So what's interesting as a Mexican-American family involved with Orisha, it's different because rue is one of the main herbs associated with Santísima Muerte because of its cleansing power. And it also highlights the difference between death and the dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The two are not the same. That the one, the dead are the victims of death, or the children of death, mm-hmm. which is not the same as uh, death herself. Mm-hmm. Itself uh, in Spanish is female, but the that notion of it as well is interesting. That it it, it is used as a primary cleansing herb, especially with rosemary in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and while well, copal is burning. So these two herbs. Mixed with the, the, those of the gray hair, as go, or white hair, as Gopal is called, mm. um, the wispy white smoke that comes from it, that rue and rosemary fulfill most, let's say two thirds of sicknesses can be cleansed away by the, those herbs. Hmm. They're just that strong together. Hmm. Um, and that they are used for lingas constantly because of that.
1: Um,
3: those are both ingredients in uh, many formularies for, for these vinegar yeah. um, planetarily speaking that's interesting in terms of rue often being saturnine mm-hmm. and rosemary most often being solar and so again we've got the idea of that which rules disease mm-hmm. and also that which like wards it off and is the, the grand potable gold panacea
2: well, it's true, because the sun rules disease itself. So it's Apollo was a plague god. Right. The the arrows that shoot from afar, and, and also if we go back to Saint Rock imagery, of like oftentimes depicted with Saint Sebastian mm. as fellow plague saints, um, with the Virgin Mary trying to suckle and nurture people in times of this famine plague mm. outbreak.
3: Which itself is a back tribution, right? He's he's associated it with arrows, and because arrows and the resurgence, uh, I think Renaissance era mm-hmm. of uh, an interest in those pagan gods and looking back at Apollo, like it, it, it it's added in afterwards. That, like, that's the that's the connection back because he's he's an athlete and so he's about like Sebastian mm-hmm. being about like good good health, mm-hmm. I guess in that term vigor and strength and also that he's you know beaten. He, ha- he pulls a bit of a Rasputin, right? Mm-hmm. They try and kill him a couple times and he just won't die. Yep. So there's that like um, perseverance and yeah, endurance and stuff.
2: Podcast, the
3: Saints, there we go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that idea. So too. Oops, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It was it was only one for sure, but the yeah the notion of like tying it back to and not just Apollo like Refesh and a variety of other like you know, gods of the burning plague uh, also being far darting or um, yeah um, far shooting.
2: Well, you bring up an interesting concept for me of like certainly not if, if Sebastian was a historical person, he wasn't thinking about his relevance to disease from arrows. Mm-hmm. But the mention of arrow as anything being allegory, period, the minute it becomes referenced, if he's holding an arrow, mm-hmm. there's a different gaze upon that. So it's not even necessarily, I mean, we can go back and say the relationship to play gods, but um, the, the notion of Sebastiana in New Mexico being the, the image of, of, of death, mm-hmm. that she who works from afar, and that the, the, the Aztecs, for instance, uh, part of worship of any deity was to shoot arrows at it mm. and to, to call it, to stir it from its heaven from far away and to, to, to rouse it up. And then we had to get rid of it afterwards. Cause like there was almost the, the notion of bringing it into presence around us. And then being like, okay, now we have to get rid of it because it's mm. excess of anything is bad.
0: Uh, or, you know, it's like they say you have to, if you're going to shoot a bear, you better get it in one. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot at something, if you don't take it down, it's going to come right towards you. I'm totally true for the video game I'm
2: playing right now. Um,
3: you come for the king, you best not miss.
2: Hit it in the eye or you're screwed. Mm. Um, mm. Cyclops. Um,
3: do we get that with, speaking of holding hours? do we get that with your girl Ursula? Is she uh, appealed to in terms
1: of In plague? Mexico, yes. Yeah.
2: First for uh, like cholera specifically. Hmm. Um, also because of Horrible, horrible folk prayers you find Of like the 11,000 virgins Meaning your daughters are replaceable Like bring me more daughters because mine are dying mm. And it's oh, like wow. don't heal my daughters <laughs> But like just there's going to be more um, wow. But she's also tied to uh, Impotence heavily As the, the witchcraft using her that you can reverse her image mm. And the arrow, arrow goes down because she is a, a woman Holding the phallic arrow mm. And therefore can stop disease, stop STDs um, Pray to for STDs And things like that still uh, At least in Mexico which is, you know, the center of the universe in my head. So,
3: uh. <laughs> this does feel like that combines a couple things in terms of uh, to bring it, maybe to bring in carnelian here, like the idea that one of the primary things of this fleshly stone is that it stops blood flow, mm-hmm. and that idea of um, good flow throughout the body versus like stopping. Bad flow
1: mm-hmm.
3: and, and, and 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 staunching wounds and and stopping that which that which seeps out. You know, making sure your inside stay in, stay inside
1: mm.
3: is interesting to me. And uh, yeah, I mean that that ties to all sorts of um, uh, impotence. Mm-hmm. Lore. I mean, Catherine Rider's uh, Magic and Impotence book is is amazing, not just for looking at you know different ways that people have cursed people's willies, but also what that says as a wider thing about. I got it back. Right? <laughs> What the wider thing about like it, uh, the the erection being considered a you know a primary sanguine thing, not just because sanguinity is about um, not just joy but also lust, but also that the the air and and, and spiritus of the body is is filling something, and that uh, that's all blood, and that uh, you know prior to a bunch of paracels and stuff every disease is is in some way a disease of blood, mm-hmm. right? that everything comes back to the blood, that the idea of organ failure is kind of new. Organ failure, when the blood is doing what it should be doing, as opposed to it failing in that place in the body because uh, something is wrong with the, with the blood or with the, the humours in the blood, um, The the sanguine humour being like the plasma of the voluminous vehicle of blood that carries things. And the idea of seed itself being a kind of rarefied blood as is, you know, milk, as is pretty much every, um, uh, you know, bodily secretion.
2: Mm -hmm. White blood and and red blood contrast. Mm -hmm. Um, Carnelian, I find the lore, uh, the the compatibility with coral is quite interesting. Mm. Coral being uh, a bright red ocean Mm -hmm. stone with its own lore everywhere, (laughs) whether it's uh, Medusa blood or or, uh, just the blood of the the, the things that live in the sea, the blood of the dead, even congealing. Mm. Um, the carnelian is the land version in many ways mm-hmm. and uh, becomes uh, uh, substitutes for each other in many different places around the, the world of you don't have coral, but you can have carnelian and probably agate mm. red agate in some right. form, a reddish agate um, to, to have this. It's not quite as brilliant as some corals can get and we even dye our corals to be more red which then bleeds upon us, which is quite interesting Mm -hmm. so it kind of, the the cheap dyed coral in some ways echoes the ancient lore more Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it it bleeds onto our clothes and our skin Uh, but the carnelian is a purifier um, and uh, a way of encouraging prosperity a way of signifying longevity, which coral is oftentimes, the Yoruba culture is is immortality Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a uh, just the use of coral and its association, the reddening of the flesh, what that means, uh, certainly we've talked about this at other times, but like red flesh to me, and because of basque means naked, um, it's the flesh that is, can be reddened, it's, it's not covered in clothes. Um, it's, it's Adam
3: and Eve being called red.
2: Yes, exactly, mm. and, and ruddy, and, and and of the earth, and what this means, and because we are talking about dry soil versus wet soil. Mm. So if your your body is lacking something, it's red. If it's gaining something, it's black, mm. um, which carries over into our stock market terms. Mm. But uh, color theory aside, is its own wonderful fascination for me. Uh, the overlap, interesting, between that is that red flesh, if you're talking about things that are red-colored of the body, is that Rue is also an Eshu in Kimbanda, it's Eshu Ahuda, who is sometimes believed to be the same Eshu as Das Campinas, the Eshu of the meadows or the fields, um, very strict Eshu, very narrow focus, but it is one of the divine plants that is, or demonic plants, <laughs> to, to something, um, uh, but the the plants that are walking as spirits that we can interact with and that can possess people and guide people as their patrons and as patrons of workings or patrons of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that, that little thing interesting as well, that a foreign plant comes in and has to express itself much like the mango tree um, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to some of the other plants that, that work
1: their way up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but I do car- think that the, the, the color magic stuff is salient, and I think you guys have talked about this On the podcast before, the idea that sometimes you have certain rituals or recipes that call for things not necessarily because of their, you know, chemical constituents, but Mm. because of their color. Yes. And red in particular in uh, southern Italy and probably other parts of southern Europe is uh, it is almost the the most important color in magic because it has this reputation of being... A powerfully protective color. Um, It is the color of the cornicelli, the the little like um, horn amulets that you see which were traditionally made out of coral. Um, Now you find them often in just red plastic along with the monofico, the the fig hand amulets um, which have it's like the thumb in between the um, middle finger and the pointer finger. Mm Um, and all of these are, are ultimately believed to protect against the evil eye, but you also see in Italian churches oftentimes the votive candles are placed in red containers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the drumming work that I do with my teacher Alessandro Belloni, the heraldic colors of our work are red and white, so we'll often wear white garb and then you know, with a red sash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a little bit in contrast, I think, to, to some traditions where you see that red is a little bit too heating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more on the dangerous side, even.
2: Mm. But you're still wearing white with an accent of red, which is interesting, as opposed mm, to yeah. dressing from foot to head like cardinals in red, which is the blood of Christ and its saving power. Or if you go into the four sons of the Congolese belief of the red Sun being the son of the living, it is the only sun that the living world actually has by itself it shares the white and the black sun of the horizon with the world of the dead, and the yellow sun belongs to the dead so it's the color of life its reliance mm-hmm. of of red flannel red red cotton red string in in and root work the air, echoing the kind of bantu uh philosophy there and in, in the idea that the enjoyment of life, the Orisha that owns red shango, it's like his king of this world. Mm. It's um, Letizia, It's the what we talked about before of like joy and it's fire and it's fiery and it's the color of blood flow only happens while you're alive. Um, the meat turns brown really quickly. Yeah. Um, it's uh,
3: and again it it calls and it also ennobles the two main uses in in lapidary law for carnelian precisely because of its redness uh, that. It purifies the flesh, it stops blood flow, especially uh, tied to, uh, it's considered very good for um, menstrual problems, mm-hmm. uh, especially. But also that it calms anger, or that it's, um, it soothes wrath, right? Mm. The, so it, 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 again, that thing of like ruling that which it, it is associated with, mm. that it, uh, it, it brings to bear. And there are, you know, there's a wealth of like image magic around. Um, also, pretty martial-looking things, engraving uh, carnelian with, uh, you know, the image of a soldier, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, um, or a man with a sword. And the expansion from keeping you calm, and you know, not bleeding out, uh, to a general sense of protection starts to include some, um, some more stuff around like protection from um, enchantment. Or, enchant- or 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 seduction, or mm-hmm. vice, right? So it's the it it it, it regulates the um, that which might be considered the um, the infractions of the the red blooded heart.
1: Mm.
2: That's interesting. In the parallels where there's black and red as opposed to white and black things, so pre Indo-European or East Asian or even comedic uh, mm-hmm. associations of red black polarities, um, red becomes associated with focus. Um, because black is expansive, mm. so the contracting nature of focusing something, um, lacking, you're focused on what that what you need. Mm. If you're lacking food, you the, the other things in life start to be less important <laughs> because you need food. Um, so this idea of the the reddening of the gaze, the the seeing red, what that means, and carnelian seems to um, be the the cooling force of red. Red as mm. a way to stop the bad red flow, meaning. Uh, both menstrual blood as, as well as blood flow, in general, which is interesting, just for the we chose uh, Fortuna Minor mm-hmm. as geomantic and uh, the corresponding Odo Osun, which literally means menstrual flow, menses, um, or sounding Osun, and which is uh, an orisha of warning, of of stop and look and pay attention, as well as Osun being camwood, which is the red powder that is used as an ashe itself, um, so it's the it's the color red, it's a flagging where the, the needs to look both spiritually and physically at your immediate situation and surrounding is very important, uh, especially if you're going to stay alive. Um, so the paying attention to the things that can bring your downfall, things that make you trip or holes in the ground, don't step over holes, don't, don't wear clothing with holes, don't stick your eye in looking in holes, and that the main heraldry of the sign, if you want to say, is an eye itself, and that this is the association of just constantly looking, that Mm. you must pay attention, that if the Osun, the the Orisha that is received with warriors, uh, is the the rooster cup with the bells, that if you hear its bells, this is bad, this means something's coming after you. And so similarly with, um, how does that tie into menses of, well, there's no child, and Mm. it's the thing of blood flow is happening, make sure first it's not a miscarriage. Mm. Make sure that that this is normal, and then it's still something else is different for women during this time uh, that men can never understand. And so there's a lot of projection about that and its value as to positive, negative, or its effect on men or the rest of the world. Mm. But the play fact of the matter is is that there's no way to understand it for for men, to go through it, to know what it is like to bleed Mm. for several days, and have to worry, not only about physical self, but the the other stuff that's out there that is projected upon women for having this um, portal to heaven as, as I would like to think of it, Mm -hmm. um, as a, as a gay man still saying, portal to heaven um, because the babies come from in there and the demons um, I don't know as much as many ways to connect that to Fortuna Minor, so usually we talk Mm -hmm. geometric figure first and kind of branch off into Odu, but I'm finding all the, the flaggings of, <laughs> interesting, of menses being talked about and, mm. and paying attention to health mm. and the warning signs that we have this sign that comes that is resounding, like stop and look and pay attention, mm. like the door handle is hot mm. <laughs> mm. you know, like we need to, to watch that, the, that, that when rashes happen on the body mm. stop, something's off what did you touch, if that's all it was, great but like, is it a symptom of something else? The skin reflects the liver's health, especially the filtration systems of the body and the, the red parts of the body, the tongue, the mucous membranes. Like, what happens? You can diagnose people's health by tongue in Vedic uh, <laughs> medicine. So it's just, all of that is so interesting, the overlap there.
3: Looking at the, the symptoms.
2: Yeah. Symptoms is as, as, not just in order to erase them, but always to treat everything in that holistic way of like, what does this mean? That, the, that there's a figure that comes that when it falls, four shells in the lagoon is, is just, this is where there's prominent female Orisha energy there. And whether we believe a local one is male or female, that it, 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 there's something tied there to this great vastness of the ocean that is the dead, mm. that is this gravitational descent, <laughs> that the water is held in that way to uh, other prominent forces there of, of remediation it's female medicine that is needed it's the and in some ways when we talk about tie back to household magic we just talked about mm-hmm. of like something's wrong stop doing whatever you're doing and go back and gather your strength at home gather your resources and pay attention to quote unquote the, the, the things that we normally consider female you are skipping over it and you are endangering yourself because you are skipping over it in my modified opinion this is just how to relate it in that way of you stop. So I'll stop. <laughs> Fortuna Minor, though.
3: Fortuna Minor. Most of the time, it's talked about as swiftness, as the um, the fortune that comes and goes quickly, easy come, easy go. All right, and so in a way, it is kind of the not the opposite. I don't want to say, but the the sense of the phenomena might be the same, that like, oh, great, you've, you know, uh, don't, don't get complacent about how well things are going.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I, could see, I could see that in terms of it. And I was wondering about the, the blood of the sun, right? The sun when it's not at its best. The mm-hmm. sun when it's not a good thing. When you are sunburned from too much sun or, or heat stroke. <laughs> the,
2: the glowing orb that stands over us. And right, or, the, or,
3: the, or, the, or the, 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 what is it, the burning emperor? In mm-hmm. that uh, in that folk song.
0: Ch'è l'antimperatore. Mm. Mhm. So. <laughs> that was a great
3: like yeah that's a
1: tough.
2: That like, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I could have just said anything, <laughs> and I don't think I anyone like, would have known. Ner- Nobody could have called me.
1: <laughs> prosciutto.
0: <laughs> Cannoli.
3: So Fortuna Minor is like the lesser fortune, but it can also be like the least fortune. It can definitely be the least dark timeline. It's making, <laughs> The most <lowest> fortune. <laughs> right, right. Making the most out of a bad could deal. Could have been worse. Right. Could could have been worse, yeah. It, 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 it I says for
2: money and all I got was this shiny penny.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of settling, potentially. But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely the... Why are you doing... It's definitely the one that's like, why are you doing little bits of immediately trying to get money magic rather than building a, a, a wider prosperity? Mm-hmm. And in that sense... it's But it's also it's also glitches, it's, it's very much like, uh, glitches, what do I mean by that? Uh, it, it's the exception, it's exceptional in every sense, so it isn't the the slow steady success of Fortuna Major that, that has this kind of bootstrappiness of wanting to do everything itself, it has that sense of, of like the, the accident that uh, is fortunate that you find the ten dollars on the street after needing it to get your bus home Mm-hmm. Right, it it it's cludging. It gets you there just about, and then it falls apart. Right, it's the it's the fortune you need in that moment. And so I think there is a sense of like I don't know, if, like if if you can imagine like it's there's often a thing with geomancy of saying like here's the the good hand and the bad hand of the planet and Fortuna Major and Minor are the solar figures. And so the idea mm-hmm. of like you can imagine like the sun in retrograde, mm-hmm. <laughs> it could, it can it can be that kind of thing. Right, it can be I say like the sun doing all of that. That bad stuff, but it's definitely that notion of passing luck, that which is like flowing past, mm-hmm. and the
2: Akhenaten hands of the sun ray are slapping
3: you instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah instead of like lovingly caressing. Yeah, 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 offering you the gold.
0: Well, the the sun is of course never retrograde, but mm-hmm. at the same time,
1: with that
0: it <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it does tend to afflict the planets that get too close to it. Mm. Um, which are either, they come under the beams and then become combust and the actual, you know, the orb will be different depending on the astrologer and, and the, the style of astrology that they've trained in. Um, but and that Kazemi
2: is interesting. Yeah.
0: Out of yeah. that. Yeah. So Kazemi is, um, so, so you may be aware, you know, 12 signs of the zodiac and then each one has 30 degrees within it. And then the degrees are further subdivided into 60 minutes. So this is a pretty uh, minute um, uh, division of the ecliptic. And Kazemi, I believe, is plus or minus 16 minutes from the exact conjunction between the sun and any other planet. And uh, it is said that this is, you know, contrary to being under the beams or combust, uh, that is too close to the sun when you're really in that sweet spot that like heart of the conjunction um, that in a way that planet will become kind of supercharged um, because it, it you know it is merging if we look at the sun as being kind of like god um, it, it is merging with god mm. um, and that's uh, you know a, a volatile magic to play with and, and something that uh, usually you get a little bit of leeway with planetary elections um, or, or any kind of astrological election. Uh, with Kazemi, no, you better get that one right. <laughs> um, <laughs> pay, pay attention to that.
2: So the parallel of that is interesting in the, the suffering of disease, like Saint Rock uh, attains sainthood through this relationship with disease and suffering. Mm. And so he goes combust, that life becomes combust, and eventually he is achieving union mm. with the sun with God, the apotheosis and Mm. the chrysopoia of of that.
3: And the reason he's even found out to be, you know, secretly the Lord of the land, he doesn't tell anyone. An angel puts a golden tablet under his dying head, a golden (laughs) tablet. And that's what they read. That's like, oh, turns out he was, you know, uh, the, the call was coming from inside the palace uh, which is a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like the last paragraph of his thing in the golden legend it's just like, oh yeah, 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 so an angel turns up at the beginning to announce that he's going to be born to his, his devout mother and an angel turns up at the end to announce who he is to, uh, to everyone else that finds his body
0: And he's in, in uh, southern Italy the biggest pilgrimage spot for uh, San Rocco is Tolve which is in Potenza in Basilicata and uh, one of the, I I, I don't know, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but um, because it is so popular, they have a wealth of gold ex-votos, and when they take him out for his procession on his feast day, they will build a cape for him that is made out of all of this gold jewelry. So when he goes out, particularly under under the, the Basilicata sun, um, the less popular sequel to Under the Tuscan Sun um, this is not the right audience for that joke that's a, that was a kind of you may, it, may it soon be so, <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, live, pray, laugh everyone um, that's the message of today's podcast <laughs> Um, Eat,
2: Pray, Love.
0: Eat, Pray, Love, Live, Love, Laugh, whatever, you know, white lady bullshit. Yeah. Um, So, what was I talking about? Tolve! Gun.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, gun. Oh my god. That's not what I meant. Gold, Gold. Sun. Rocco. Cape.
0: Wow. Yeah. God. Really, really awesome cape that he's paraded in. And because he's under the, you know, the strong Mezzogiorno sun, uh, mm. it looks like he's glowing. It looks like he's this kind of second sun, which is out and walking around on the earth. Mm. Um, and I found some really lovely kind of like late 90s, early two thousand animated GIFs <laughs> um, on the uh, St. Rocco Society website that reflect this, um, yeah, <laughs> what, it, what it looks like um, as, an, as an Impressionist moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's cool in that way.
1: Yeah.
3: I have this other angle on Fortuna Minor that I'm interested to, to see if there are, there are parallels here, which is like the sun not in the sky being great and the Fortuna Major of you slowly um, you know, accruing your, your fortune, but the sun entering the underworld... Because there is a lot of stuff around Fortuna Minor feeling like a figure of, of coasting, of like mooching, of getting by, but moreover of being involved in like underworld or underhanded things of like the, 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 the bad fortune in the sense of like the fortune that's precarious because it's not necessarily exactly super legal, uh, for instance. And so this idea of like uh, this, you know, Fortuna Minor having this quality of the demimond. Of like of not walking through hell in terms of uh, a catabasis of, of achieving something and then coming back mm-hmm. or of resurrection, mm-hmm. but of like being in the half world of, of, of operating in the shadows to an extent.
0: That ill-gotten gains are still gains mm-hmm. but they can disappear very very quickly Right 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 yeah
3: That's That's uh,
2: then you have the not only just entering the underworld which would be the west but the entire journey of the sun through the underworld that the stirrings on of the dead still need more effort to mm-hmm. manifest for the living mm-hmm. than actions directly taken in our world mm-hmm. and uh, the, the need to stop, look and listen and figure out how to bring those things to fruition Yeah, is the blood must go into the soil and the soil must produce fruit mm. um, is interesting
3: I think there's also a thing around Fortuna Minor being, I was saying it's like exceptional in every sense uh, there's also a sense of it working the loopholes and things of understanding the exception I think about how um, Richard Feynman talked about how physics was um, uh, like working out the rules to a game as you're playing it and he said you know he gives this example of, of castling in chess where like you're playing it and then all of a sudden like these two pieces do something super weird they like swap places and they can only do it once in a game but that's still part of the rules but it seems totally not part of the rules, mm-hmm. but you've just learned more about the process of, of playing the game. And Fortuna Minor, uh, when, it, when, it, when it falls, often seems to connote that sense of, of playing the game well, of like social engineering. Hmm. I don't know how that fits with the idea of, of the opposite, of like paying a, a attention to a warning sign.
2: Well, I mean, the, the, the proverb associated with the notion of no one knows like what lies at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. So when we're talking the sun in the underworld the ocean is the underworld there's this there's this notion of it's mystery mm. there is mystery here so you have to stop and look mm. and so part of that if you receive a small check you might think oh this is wonderful like I'm doing really good and the, and the thought of are you are you <laughs> though like don't just spend all that like mm. you know, more might not be coming mm. we need to 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 pay attention to resources which in a famine side is is. Telling as well. But, the, right?
0: but that at the bottom of the ocean, you also find creatures that make their own light. Yes. The phenomenon of bioluminescence. And that, you know, it, it gets back to me, for me, to that demimonde idea that, you know, among whatever, you know, group of people that you may fall in with, you will still find potentially, you know, redeeming characteristics and fortunes and, uh, you know, alternative views of um, I don't know what it, what it means to shine in this world mm. the, the, you know, the virtues of the criminal underworld, mm. they're still there they're just very very different from what we're used to mm-hmm. here as land dwellers which I think is a good
2: parallel to, I mean if we're talking ocean in West African belief and nobody knows what lies there the sun is still going there so mm-hmm. it's lighting the underworld of the dead we're during our nighttime, so there is an immediate connection of our nighttime to the activity of the dead because that's when they're awake. Mm. The sun is in their world,
1: mm. so
2: the rules they're still there and the light is still there, but they operate on different rules. Left is right, right is left, up is down, down is up, and it's it's a little bit of the fairyland side of it of not quite sure what things are, but if we take it into Irosuna being stop, look, and listen, and Fortuna Minor there of, like, you've been given this food. Did a fairy give it to you? Mm-hmm-hmm. And are you going to be trapped in another right. world?
3: Does this come with loopholes? Does it come with strings attached? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: But, but also to know that as these are signs that can fall does not mean that they have always are always falling. So because if you're someone this constantly is seeing the bad side of this, this can bring up a paranoia. This can bring up the, the, the bad... Uh, bad pot puff of just worrying yeah. that everything is chasing you. And
3: yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's definitely something else that it, it seems Fortuna Minor is about, which is, you know, the the kind of happy-go-lucky, devil-may-care attitude of, of, of never quite making the full success of Fortuna Major, but definitely being, like, lucky. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and, and a luck that doesn't ever necessarily put you in uh, a, a secure place ever, but, you know, will help you coast if you want to turn up to your 9-to-5 job and just get ignored enough to be able to work on your novel or, or just, you know, dick about on the internet, mm-hmm. right? That kind of low-level invisibility of the sun, not of, uh, of being so invisible that you get fired because no one knows what you do, but, <laughs> but just not noticed enough, just slightly, you know, boss-fixed uh, enough to, to not be bar- burdened with big projects or hmm. not expected uh, to do too much.
2: Pictographically, what is this supposed to evoke? because it looks like an up di- upside down it is the upside down version of Fortuna Major but mm-hmm. the, the idea of it, it, it could it be a, a vault with a pole or is it an upside down thing whereas if we take it as filled, if it is empty in Fortuna Minor, when it's upright it's really freaking precarious it's like balancing, it's like spinning a cup on a, a, a pole, it's spinning mm. a plate the Fortuna Major side of it, like great fortune doesn't come that often mm. um but this sign can fall just like any of the others. Like, what is that? That's just interesting.
3: So pictographically, it's uh, one, one, two, two. Yeah. Right, uh, At Fortuna Minor, one dot, one dot, two dots, two dots.
0: And that's top to bottom.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's uh, not the
0: Australian way of.
3: Sometimes said to be a flag on <laughs> a hill. Under the ocean
2: way, sorry. A flag on a pole. So okay. A flag on a pole makes sense.
3: Um, I like uh, the idea of it being a bell. Uh, that's something that uh, wow, someone said before. Awesome. Yeah, so there we go. There's our parallel. Uh, in contrast, uh, I think John Michael Greer says that Fortuna Major 2211 is a river flowing between a uh, valley, and that he has all this stuff around Fortuna Major proper success being that like riding the synchronicity highway of like being the river that flows through and that brings gain and. Um, not in a acquisitio way but in a in the sense of uh, of, of, of being in alignment with your own um, you know path and, and and the world and destiny and I like that notion of uh, Fortuna Major in that case as a tuning fork mm-hmm. of like uh, your um, a different kind of resounding I suppose that you're you're, you're harmonizing uh, whereas that means Fortuna Minor then is the the tuning fork stuck in the ground um, it's the upside down It's it's I don't know it's resonating with the with the earth rather than the sky. Hmm. It's getting by uh, in, in, the, in the the world of... the worldly, hmm. as opposed to calling down greater favors from, from heaven.
2: Interesting. Calling down greater powers from heaven, calling up greater powers from hell.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because um, we got... Uh, people bemoaned are not actually getting to demons a couple episodes <laughs> ago. So... Um, I will not pronounce his name because I believe it has a horrible power over me, but simply because I do not understand how to pronounce it. Um, uh, Fructose is his name, is that correct? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does have a power over
2: you. He does, he does right now. Yeah. He does, it's true.
3: Fructose would be better for the other one, uh, Fructimier, because that's the, the spirit of banquets and, and feasts. Um, what I say is Fructisier, which is, which might be entirely wrong because I don't have any French, and it's probably from there. Fructisierre. Uh, Concerns the exchanging. Oh.
0: <laughs> that was that was Al making that dumb French laugh.
2: It was not. You are stereotypically doing this in the way.
3: <laughs> we've, we've still not got over Agincourt. Um, the main role of uh, Frucissier is to exchange oh, the places.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading a lot of those French Elon Musk tweets. Uh, I'm
3: Elon Musk. I, like, I like the
0: Swedish
2: chef no moose. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. No, it's 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 this demon will not be issued. Damn it. Go.
3: Exchanges the place of the living and the dead is what's often said. Now.
2: Exchanges is quite interesting.
3: Yeah. Now that that that's <laughs> also sometimes possession. Translated right. That's Spoiler. also sometimes translated as uh, bringing uh, any uh, the dead to the living. Um, and sometimes manuscript forms have it as bringing the dead to the living and the living to the dead so there's also that potential for like the serious expedition curse work of, of, of sending someone to their grave potentially there are also sometimes um, references to the wealth of the dead um, in terms of the older manuscript that uh, I've been you know citing more often now since, um, since JHp published uh, secrets of Solomon in the the earlier uh, CSDS, the uh, Clavicular Solomonus De Secretus. Your acronyms
2: um, have no power here. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's
3: called Fruthiel in that case, and will bring you anyone living or dead, such as when Cicero once argued his Milo declamation and assisted Caesar. And um, uh, Joe Peterson, uh, Joseph H. Peterson, uh, makes a point that this is interesting because it's a specific reference and shows that there's an there's an actual classical allusion going on here. That like they mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're that might say something about the education of the the person reading it
2: in the subject of exchanges i just think it's funny because you clarify joseph h peterson and we have a friend whose name is joseph peterson who often gets mistaken for joseph H. peterson and And he's
3: always so uh magnanimous when people try and uh praise him for books he didn't write yes um
0: i recently did a friends list purge on facebook and i'm friends with like four joseph petersons (laughs) (laughs) it's it's crazy out there guys watch out for those joseph petersons that's right (laughs)
2: H in there like Jesus you can trust him <laughs> um, his uh, the, the exchange of the living and the dead I find interesting with notions of disease mm-hmm. and what that is because it, his corresponding Eshu is Eshu cemetery, who is the Eshu of the cemetery it's a very mm. straightforward name Mr. of the cemetery <laughs> so um, not particularly a nice Eshu reputation he is considered black death Ebola plague Eshu so there's... It is... Because he is a cemetery, Eshu, he is an An-Omolu an mm. of the Legion of Death in Kimbanda, which is tied, of course, to the plague god Babalu, Omulu, omolu shapona, Um But that... Uh, I believe uh, there's more than one comparison to him of saying that, like, a Mengala type character is Eshu-do-Cemeteria. Mm. So the 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 Nazi doctor who experiments on children Mm. and that needles are sacred to him and poisonous plants, poisonous animals. The threat, the long-drawn-out torture through sickness, whether it's been given to the person or it's naturally selected, quote-unquote. Is there a natural selection of disease? Who knows? You
3: have the Um, spider working. Yeah. One of them.
2: That is is the severing the tarantula and putting the snake skin and all that other stuff in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, A large one. Mm. Um, But... uh, Although, in truth, it's, I believe it's actually the Amadeira that is associated with him, which is the, one of the most toxic spiders in the world. It's a large spider that looks almost like a wolf spider, but it also warns you. Speaking of warning, it has two little red patches or orange patches under its legs and it looks like it's trying to land an airplane when you come near it. And it's like, no, go somewhere else. Don't come near me because I will kill you. <laughs> and then oh, most people die from it only when they're putting on a shoe and they haven't shaken out their boots. Mm-hmm. Because adults are like, I don't want to die. Like, I don't want to bite you. I don't want to get... Because sh- I'm going to bite him. The- Even if I kill it eventually, it's still going to try and bat me. Nah. So it's usually juveniles and when you don't shake out your shoes. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, the story of that of, of trying to see them because they they happen during mating season in Brazil and we happen to be there, a few of us and and trying to look for them for and look for them outdoors and outdoors and seeing other things We're like no that's a garden spider no that's just enough that when it bites you you only get sick for a little bit you'll be fine four days from now and it's like oh god that's a garden spider um, and then like my last night there watching TV and looking down my friend's hallway and seeing this hand moving I was like I think that's it and. Uh it confirms, like, yeah, this is an armadena <laughs> and like my friend going up to him, like, oh, I want to get it because I want to, you know, put it in a jar, and he baps it with a sandal, and being told, huh, you're very brave because they can jump three feet. <laughs> 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 but it is, it is, it is the armadida, the armed one. Mm. Um, but this this association with Dos lots of spiders have associations uh, with with Guimbarda spirits, but. Um, he is not an easy one is one that that cleansings must be happening afterwards it is the twisted doctor mm. the doctor that's giving you diseases which is interesting because it's t- it's a perverted form of inoculation mm. mm-hmm. and inoculation when we we're talking earlier about like a little bit of the disease is a good thing mm-hmm. that we bring the disease deified into our life and so we bring a saint who's been knowing plague mm-hmm. into our lives to hopefully inoculate us against the plague yeah mm. we bring we bring. Babaloi Asohano Omulu into our lives as a figure of of petition uh, to hopefully placate that he doesn't get too heated and bring disease, but also that it's like a little bit inoculation and and the, the priests of Babaloi themselves actually taking cutting their skin and putting the smallpox scabs of dead people into their skin to build up immunity, mm-hmm. which is also interesting because smallpox uh, was a, it was another thing that Jeremy scared me with of of uh, at the Thursday night previously mentioned of uh, just how scary the diseases are that are stored in, like, a place like Galveston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Yeah. that that when that hurricane was going back, like, last year, how how scary it was of, like, so 95% of the world's deadliest diseases are on this one little island that is now being threatened by a hurricane. And, (laughs) like, if it gets destroyed... Mm -hmm. But there is extreme safety, because they obviously Mm -hmm. things, like, go deep into the ground and hide and, like, can't be destroyed by water but it's still like it's intense of like how many pairs of gloves do you, can you handle this one with mm-hmm. and and the notion of disease so it's just there's a lot of this talk within Kimbanda of it being uh, difficult uh, difficult to handle difficult to be around mm-hmm. and it does heat and it does bring certain energies and, and learning to clean and cleanse oneself when working with these spirits is incredibly important which ties back in some ways to the work with Rue with something's Muerte who is the older traditions of using a Amparo of of having a saint or a grounding or something that pulls you back from the world of the dead or in Kingbala to have the Maya all this per this this ray of light that can go into darkness, mm. the sun going into the bottom of the ocean, or or what is your light? What do you take with you? Mm. Becomes really interesting to me. Not for the sake of do you have to balance everything out? Well technically no, but the the it's the thought of, you know, the big bad necromancers out there that like so did you want to make love to the pile of bones, like the conflation of necrophilia and necromancy, that, you know, that, uh, but the idea here of sweet things are nice too, on occasion, the, the, the bitter can be balanced with sweet, the sweet can be balanced with bitter, they both help define each other, but that what pulls you back to yourself, mm-hmm. that you can get lost in the ecstasy of a person, uh, a, a substance, food, uh, a performance, dancing, the weather. Yeah. Whatever it is, but what pulls you back to yourself and, and how much time do we spend on that centering hmm. notion
0: yeah, and that you might watch you know a movie in the saw franchise, for example, or some other kind of extreme cinematic representation of body horror or violence or other disturbing themes, but that movie ends, and when it 's over, the the wave of relief, the catharsis that happens as a result. Of watching that type of material is probably what most people are looking for, not the you know, not the actual uh, you know, to to live in that space of just blood and guts all the time.
2: The sun sets and rises, and therefore is tolerable. The play, the, the golden brat plague god that floats over us, that is drawn with sunglasses by children. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Mallory was pointing out early how strange that was, um, uh, but. That the sun is noted through its cycles, and that's interesting too. That the constant exposure to the sun would be a different thing. That the enjoyment of it, or the enjoyment of the night, comes from the the non-oppositional dualism. Just I'm going to keep pushing that Mm -hmm. uh, side of it Um, again because of the disease side. Uh, Like disease is not necessarily the antidote itself. Disease is disease. It, it's, there's, is, is it that it's taking it away or is it that it's becoming like when you get inoculated you're not taking the disease away you're actually introducing it into your body and, become, and having power over it by introducing it into yourself mm. so you're not you haven't eradicated it but it does eradicate the power of the disease in some ways it's weird
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have developed a certain antibody that corresponds to that disease and thus in a way that disease has kind of become a part of you yeah. it is, you know, there is a reflection of it within you
3: that's very
2: interesting. I, the there's a number of therapies with uh, diseases, uh, alternative therapies of uh, actually going in and trying to make friends with your viruses and your mm. your bacteria that are in you of like if I die you die too, mm-hmm. um, and and that notion and there's uh, a lot of people I know have have found a certain piece of that. Other people think like that's way more frustration of like feeling like I'm failing at something when that doesn't work, but. Mm. Um, I don't know, there's something interesting in all of that, of the, rock, the rockifying, the rockification of it, of, this is, this is the deck I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. so I've got to find a way to make this work.
0: And that there are ways that disease and disability can give rise to greater creativity, and, and you know, you're able to forge uh, new, new styles, new ideas. Um, my favorite example of that being, who is it, the bassist for Black Sabbath? Who, uh,
3: car- the guitarist. The guitarist, mm-hmm. thank
0: you. Who uh, lost his fingers in an industrial accident, or, or parts of them, the tips of them, and had to learn how to play his instrument in a way that nobody had ever played it before. Um, yeah. and he fashioned
3: then- himself leather, uh, f- like finger-added things. And there's also some ideas some guitarists might disagree about, power chords, uh, uh, d- uh, drop detuning, meaning that you can bar the top, bottom three strings and produce power chords in a much more simple way and play things like da, 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 Iron Man, etc. Thank you, thank you. I should be performing nightly. So,
2: okay. yeah, it's an interesting balance there, right, of like to to there are people also who seek out disease mm. and exposure to things uh, is it inoculation is it hoping for what that is there's this notion is is uh, a difficult discussion for me- for many because of that side of it of like there's a difference between um making your own story self-mythologizing and trying to find a way to to, to set your myth up, myth up for the best you mm. that you can come out in the end of mm. um versus uh those who might uh, seek out uh, through contagion, through experience, mm-hmm. um, risk taking behavior, uh, whatever it is, and, and, and that side of it is interesting too, which would in many ways be said to be under the province of an issue like the mm-hmm. of of, um, you know, if death brings you closer to, to if momento mori brings you closer to d- divinity in some way, and if mastery and genius are, are a quality of that then what happens when you willingly introduce yourself to those things if you take the kind of tantric approach of engaging the forbidden substances in order to find a release from the taboo itself and therefore freedom but when does that become risk-taking behavior
3: right well there's a teleology there right at what point are you smoking and drinking because that brings you that's a medium by which you can get closer to a set of spirits and at what point are you using the excuse of I'm um, using this to get close to spirits or even developing a crutch mm-hmm. of needing it to see spirits as a you know uh, so I th- yeah I think there is a, a teleology there right are you is the, is the point the risk taking or is the point that you now recognize that disease you now recognize that um that pattern of abuse getting um uh, you know child protection training um, they you know anyone that you talk to or anyone that I talk to afterwards Said you know there will be a month after they they teach you certain um, signs of potential uh, abuse that you will second guess every encounter you in public with every you know child and carer like there'll be a little part of your brain that's installed there going like but what if that that's not their kid what if like something else is going on and that um, that notion of uh, spending hours talking about horrible things so that you know how to spot them and hopefully, you know, um, provide uh, services or at least call someone up who can provide services to help in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, That we, again, I I don't want to just end end on that that truism of knowing how to hurt is is knowing how to heal, but I think there is something of that there. Mm
2: -hmm. With the nature of of the... Hurt and healing. It um, just made me think of the the fact that the at least the rider weight version of the sun card is a it's an infant riding a, a white horse, mm. and uh, is sometimes referred to as conquest, but other times pestilence. Mm. of ah. the four horses of the apocalypse, right? The white. The, the oh, behold the pale horse! I just realized. I was like, I'd never put that. That the baby's riding a white horse specifically, and then be like, Okay, if that's one of the four, then that's conquest or pestilence. So that's an interesting and disease being the owner of the world or the co owner of the world, along with death, in many ways. In, 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 in Orisha, like this, the agil that are the leaders of the rest, death and disease. Um, death is not necessarily our enemy, but disease definitely pushes. Hmm. And How can we use it for divine, for, for not for. Hmm. um, for divine? Revelation and and advantage to ourselves, but um, speaking of advantage to ourselves, how can we use disease to advantage, advantageous to ourselves, for thieves? So the lore of the four thieves there of using disease to have material gain.
3: Right, right, uh, and also using the knowledge of so the the myth goes, as I'm sure many will be already be familiar that four thieves are wandering around some point between the 13th and 18th centuries mm-hmm. because one of the things about plague is that it has that quality of um, a, a, a plague story it it, is,
1: happening
3: it, it is really transferable to, mm-hmm. a, to, to a particular time but it, it is transferable to another particular time as well some point during a plague which occur in these waves anyway uh, across time Uh, four thieves are either robbing the dead or are going to um, the places that have been abandoned because so many people have died from plague and are using a particular formulary to avoid um, catching the plague and thus are benefiting from it. And what I find interesting is that they even benefit from the formulary when they are caught in many of these stories and their sentence is lessened uh, if they give away the secret of their uh, of their protection.
1: Hmm.
2: That's interesting. I, I find the was it the notion of vinegar itself, right, so mm-hmm. is, a, is a common way to distill or to, not to, distill, to, to take herbs, uh, the, the sulfur of the herb into the medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of using alcohol directly, but vinegar's relationship to plague, the plague stones that were uh, often places of uh, outside the market where people who had who, who were lepers or were victims of the plague could still buy and sell things for daily life and that the uh, sometimes there was it was a bald stone meaning there was no cross on it anymore um so uh often called vinegar stones in england i believe hmm. uh which is just the the notion of vinegar as a medicine hmm. um that the, the the washing rituals of water that would happen at the foot of a cross hmm. uh speaking of cemitero and Crusado and all these other things <laughs> um, but replacing that with vinegar and and what that means um, the notion of Christ drinking vinegar which is a, a thing for dehydration oh in really general that um, like switchel is a common drink when you're when doing the hay harvest if you drink a lot of water you're just gonna sweat it out but vinegar hydrates you and keeps you hydrated um, oh it's so, a mercy yeah, yeah, it is
3: oh uh, it, it was so always taught to us as like look how terrible these soldiers are. No, giving vinegar
2: is when you are when you are pouring sweat. Vinegar is what you drink, mm. uh, but many people don't drink vinegar anymore. Like, but it's mm. because wine when it goes bad, you're gonna do something with it. And The mother of vinegar has many uses alchemically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. That is it. When the vinegar mother shows up, like keep that mama, keep her happy. <laughs> but the. I don't know, I just, the, the, the Four Thieves, the, the, the idea that this mythology has been created around this thing, because certainly, like, which Four Thieves, why, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. how, and which country are they from? Is it is it truly French? Is it, Engli- is it English? Is it Italian? Mm-hmm. What is it? And the idea that it might be f- um, Fourth Rave or for, like an English surname. Oh, I'm yeah, the early, Yeah, and that it, it becomes a, an evolution of this corrupted last name. Um, and therefore stories must, like we talked about before, like, saints' sh- stories should evolve in some ways to fit the needs of the people at mm-hmm. the time, like, mm-hmm. it's helpful to have, like, okay, say, you know, for it brings communion, and it sustains them, because there's now a mystery in there that is helpful for someone, and someone who has dogs is going to have a devotion to this saint that isn't possible when that dog is taken out of the story, mm-hmm. um, and, and here, Four Thieves becomes this thing of, like, almost the hand of glory, but in a different way. Um,
0: and, and for Thieves Vinegar, to be clear, it's not one recipe, it's, it's kind of a family of, of recipes, and I think commonly you'll find that there are uh, four herbs that are focused on in the recipe, and I've got a couple of them here. Um, one with rosemary, sage, lavender, and rue, who was featured earlier, mm-hmm. um, which is coming to us from a 1910 copy of the Scientific American Encyclopedia of Receipts, Notes, and Quarries. Um, and another version I've got here includes wormwood, meadowsweet, wild marjoram, and sage. Um, and then, uh, Lucky Mojo has a recipe that seems to be a bit of an outlier, um, which is, uh, garlic, cayenne pepper, and black pepper, along with other herbs and essences. Um, but I think the, the commonality here is often these are aromatic herbs, um, often with you know antiseptic qualities or or, you know which would be good against either the pestilence itself or the carriers of that pestilence uh the fleas Mm. the insects the the things that might be bringing it to you
3: yeah there are definitely like uh you know the use of wormwood to to ward off worms and and other uh insects and, and and pests and things the the use of pepper and cayenne black pepper and cayenne sort of speaks to the, again, the underworldish quality of this is, this is thief magic, this is, yeah. you know, this is, this is doing something dodgy uh, magic. I also like the idea in terms of that, again, that demimond thing of um, a one recipe I encountered, specified fresh rue, so we're mm-hmm. talking about using fresh versus dried, and dried sage, and the idea of using that which is alive and that which is kind of dead, right, and combining the two and walking between the worlds of the living and the dead and being able to do so safely. Mm. So I like that quality of it.
2: It's also the, the notion of putting anything fresh into an herbal concoction is always a risk, right? Because the contaminants of water um, uh, brings fungus. And rue is a fungicide. Here. I mean, like, there's, things don't grow in the solution where rue is. Um, uh, it, the heavy reliance on camphor in some of the recipes... Mm and which dissolves completely um, if it's done right. But the Certainly the the later recipes by the time you get to the thirties, it basically seems like everybody collected anything called Four Thieves and threw everything in one jar. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just the firesider. It was here's these things that work and by, and the the myth is that by not by drinking it but by dabbing it on certain places of the body, which were where buboes appeared, so lymph nodes, so behind the ears, Hands, ears the wrists, temples. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the crotches of the body are a common thing. Mm-hmm. So heavy pulse points, um, not just crotches of the body, uh, or, under totally the arms sensitive. as well, right, yeah. which is so it's like It's not just like a, a crotch and a stick it's not necessarily where the genitals are. Just all of your crotches. Yeah, all of your crotches. The
3: Golden Legend specifies that some of the first um, booboses yes. uh, that uh, that St. Rock gets aren't the leg, are under the arms.
2: It is Well, this is the common places, right? So where there's common blood flow and heat mm. um, and skin rubbing against itself. Mm. Uh, all those things contribute to first things, but the protecting so the, the the arteries are close to the surface of the skin underneath the reddening happens underneath the protected parts the back of the knee under the armpits the wrist these things that are normally not just exposed all the time mm. um, so it's interesting there
0: um, are also the places that you're often instructed to apply perfume
2: yes because of the back the, of the
0: knees the, the back of the wrists the elbows inner elbows and then I, I don't hear armpits that often but of course most many people apply deodorant there mm-hmm. which is its own kind of perfume so it kind of gets Both us blacks. back to yeah yeah back to the relationship between scent and spirits mm-hmm. and disease
3: yeah I, I i caught a stray mention there was no details of it that there was an italian version of um Uh, Seven Thieves vinegar as well, that was apparently sold as a smelling salt. And so that idea, again, of, like, scent... I couldn't Mm. find any more details about it. But uh, that idea of, yeah, again, applying um, miasma and and what is... what is what is what has to be breathed in. You don't have to look at a thing. You can even, you know, cover your ears, but, like, you have to be breathing. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, the notion of... of... Vapors and what they are in general, the, yeah. the, the things flying through the air that we talked about a little bit, but like even the mention of, of, of Nola here, right, of <laughs> the, the, the swamp itself and this, the smells associated with the swamp are very different from high ground, mm. um, high ground considered quote-unquote holy and bogs and swamps. Powerful places, rarely viewed as holy, holy has to be installed there. So there's a difference there that, like, that in some areas, that like if there's no cemetery, bury them high up on a mountain because they're closer to God and it's okay. But criminals and everybody else are put in the bog. Mm. You know, this is this is a it's, a it's a place of contagion, which is true from the moisture and the heat possibly or the different gases that are there. But it's a
3: in in more Euro- northern European countries, the bog is also that which remembers as well. Like that's where we get the bog man. That's where we get perfect mm. preservation of things. Wow. Um, that's how we know the faces of uh, the, uh, of, the of, of, of our ancestors, right? Because uh, they, they were preserved there. And they're also, you know... The, so some of them are foreign
2: sometimes too, which is interesting, right? Yeah, 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 super interesting. Sacrifices are foreign.
3: Right, and yeah. the people are, 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 are traveling wider and wider than we give credit for very often. We keep That's finding certainly. earlier examples of trade routes and stuff. It's also, to, to return to, to thieves uh, and, and the... I guess the the thieves and and the guilty you know there's plenty of Irish folklore about the the bog being that which gives up uh the body at a particular point that uh the the son who has usurped um the the uncle or or killed the father and inherited and claimed it was you know claimed it was the foreigner mm-hmm. is the 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 bog is also that which doesn't just remember but like presents the evidence mm-hmm. and accuses it's
2: interesting reminds me of the St. Agatha's Day using the candle with the bread to find the drowned body type of thing that if you're still looking hmm. and you haven't found it yet that this is one way to do it's on her day it's like that's a long time to wait but you know hmm. not going into the dirty lake water yourself makes sense hmm. Hmm. Um, but the, the bread will overturn at the right place where the prayers are said um, oh. the candle is pointing down and where's that found? Uh, Pyrenees oh. northern Spain Basque Country Asturias Galicia seems to have a similar but the cult of Agatha there is the a kind of replacement for breed in many ways. So the candleless lore that you would find in British world of Brigantia and breed is very much placed onto Agatha in mm-hmm. the in the Pyrenees and that part of Spain. Agatha that. it's not the Agatha, but the. It's um, all very interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think uh, Al supposedly has to go teach something he's doing for some (laughs) stupid company. Um, uh, But he's going to do right by his students and go teach uh, a class. Absolutely. So um, just uh, thank you uh, to our first-ever guest, Molly, and uh, who uh, Al has the unique privilege and... uh, uh, honor honor delight yes of being married to keep going yes <laughs> keep going. <laughs> and uh, uh, thank you uh, both for making the time to record uh, and uh, so how do we tie this all together as a final blessing um, mm. wear sunscreen <laughs> the sun's mean yep um, check your armpits mm-hmm. for fleas and boobos mm-hmm
3: um, Make sure that your mirrored sunglasses don't have the mirrors on the inside.
2: Yeah. Um, and when someone shows you their ass, believe them. <laughs> so that's a really helpful advice, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, when we have warning signs, often we skirt past them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about the 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 wonderful small blessing that is warning signs and listening to our intuition of something's wrong here mm. um, whether it's in the body or in the environment or in, in the world and that um, we should allow for joy in our lives that we should, we should make joyous uh, life out of whatever it is that we are handed but at the same time to listen to the little alarms that go off and believe yourself uh, mm. use the power of of purgatives, and, and rue, and um, let all your misfortunes be miscarried mm. um, in that
3: way. Uh, may, so. may the the red in your life not be the, the rosy-tinted glasses of thinking that small victories will be everlasting, but be the, the red flag to the bull of your determination mm. that you flag at it and that allows you to bridle your rage to do something useful and constructive with
2: and I think also just with Saint Rock with the festivals as you both experienced and what you talked about being such an old festival that the the Saint Lore and this reliance on looking into what has come before is itself a way of honouring ancestry honouring um what is it that, that you've both said to me of the the democracy of the dead? <laughs> that, that this is the this is the the way that we are all still a community that tradition informs the living in this way and perpetuates, and we are not stuck reinventing the wheel. Mm. That we are f- able to derive meaning from what has been handed to us and reject, inform, elaborate, make more relevant, make less relevant, but. The ignorance of it uh, doesn't seem to help us any. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, saint Roque, San Rocco, San Roque, I'll let you pronounce it in the Italian way. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's a damn sexy saint in many ways. And uh, a happy feast of Saint Rock to you all. And,
0: uh, yeah. E viva Santi Rocco!
2: Viva Santa Rocco. Alright, thank you so much. And uh, until next time. Stay sunny. (laughs) Keep those sunglasses on, sun children. Uh, (laughs) We're going to end with a little uh, song for sun rock. Pizza in the mouth.
1: (laughs) Why would you do this to me?
2: (laughs) Because this is how it's capturing real life. It
0: is. (laughs)
2: What is
0: the song? My mouth is full <laughs> of pizza, you asshole.
1: <laughs> so
0: um so this song is uh in uh the Basilicata language. Um and it is a song which is very popular among the pilgrims who are primarily coming from other parts in southern Italy, but some of them come from um, the north or from other other European countries as well. Um, and it will be stuck in your head for the rest of your life. So um, if you continue listening, be ready for that commitment. Um, but it's also really, great, really great because the um, the chorus is just I Viva Santi, santi Viva. Um, so if you want to have a small devotion to him and you just put the song on, you can sing along with that chorus and you can also switch that word tolve out for whatever you know city you live in. Um, because the exact translation is, you know, uh, long live St. Rock, uh, Rock, long live St. Rock, long live St. Rock, and dwell within tolve. Um, so you'd be saying you know into, tol, uh, into New York style for example
2: All right so here we go <laughs>
0: to my pizza now?
1: <laughs> Let no man
2: put apart what pizza has joined. Please, go back to your pizza and your wine. Thank you. Okay. Grazie mille.
0: Prego.